Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Jeremy. And we are the Social Ninjas. Hiya! With practice, Jeremy and I have reached the point where social anxiety doesn't control our lives. I went from being anxious to speak to people to speaking in front of hundreds of people without a sweat. That's amazing! I went from being anxious to be able to approach anyone to interviewing celebrities in Hollywood and giving free hugs across the world. Now, we both co-host a podcast where we interview amazing human beings. Which is something I would have been terrified to do in the past. And while we aren't battling social anxiety like we used to, we still have mental health that we work to improve every single day. That's why we created this podcast, to be able to provide valuable information to you on how to feel the best you can and also normalize the conversation around mental health because we all have mental health. And if I don't take care of my mental health, I'm not being the best version of myself. Same here. We all need to take care of our mental health and the Social Ninjas podcast is here to help you do just that. A quick note, we are not health professionals and what we say should not be used in place of or replacement of medication or your doctor. Enjoy the show! Are we doing a fun here? Just do a fun one? Straight flex. Are we doing a fun one? We're recording? Yeah, recording. We're recording with Kyle and Jeremy. Social Ninjas Podcast. I'm Jeremy. And joined with me is my co-host, Kyle. The Machine Mitchell. (laughs) And we now have a special guest, Mark Metry. Yo, 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 what's poppin', guys? Thank you guys so much for inviting me, Kyle and Jeremy. Can't wait for this, and uh, I appreciate it. And you guys really are ninjas. Thank you. (laughs) We have been training for so long. (laughs) Um. Should I should I just hype you up a little bit and say stuff about you about your Forbes maybe about your nah, magazine nah, nah, nah. no your TEDx Nah listen man the best the the number one most important thing that people need to know is that like I mean I, you know I'm just someone who kind of grew up in a way and um you know was placed in an environment had different event situations happen to me and I just became aware of those and I just started to like live my own life and um that's like all i do that's the most important thing that people need to do and um yeah you just gotta live your own life hold on mark i'm just gonna cut you off and say can i can you instead of general can i get a little bit more mm. what happened when you were younger specifics. Wow, you are now? <laughs> no no i for sure but i i just say that because like you know I, i've been on other podcasts before and people have asked me they're like oh they start like just listing off my accolades and that's fine whatever i guess you need to introduce me but um but like to me, all those achievements aren't really like that to me doesn't mean anything. Like what what to me what it really means is like I you know, I spent the first part of my life literally trying to run away and literally not wanting anybody to know who I am, to know my story, to know that I existed. And it to me it's just so crazy how like the last five years that I've been on this journey. I went from someone who, you know, really, you know, had really severe social anxiety, had other mental health issues. At one point, I almost ended my own life. I was obese. 
And uh, I had never really just talked to anybody throughout my entire life. I was literally just, as I'm sure you guys know what this is, I was always that kid in the back of the classroom. I never had any real friends. Anybody who was close in my life, they, they, sure, they may be close to me proximity-wise, but they didn't really know the real me. And I lived through that life, and you know, I almost became a statistic. And from luck, from learning, from trying to educate myself, from just trying to live my life in the present moment, trying to you know, understand how broad life is and how paradoxical it is and how important it is to you know, really, I think, take responsibility and be able to take action and be able to just like love, love what you do, not from the sense of like, of like what it is you do, but to actually love your life, like the experience of life itself. And I feel like for me, so much of my life, especially early on, it felt like I was almost fighting with life itself in like every second, especially in social scenarios. Um, and so like fast forward to today, I mean, I used to be a speaker <laughs> before this whole COVID-19 thing happened. Um, and uh, I host a podcast. I'm an author of a book called Screw Being Shy. I do a lot of different things, but honestly, it's all tied under that foundation of just like, you know, I feel like I, I, I want to be a voice for people who feel like they're invisible because that was me and I was lucky enough to, to get out of it. And I know there's so many other people out there who are just like stuck silently with these, some of these problems that I mentioned. And, uh, and yeah, that's like, that's, that's the most important thing to me. Yeah. I heard you say people didn't know who you were. And that gets me to ask this question. Uh, <laughs> who is Mark? And well, what led to this, this shift from being, from being so shy to how you are right now? Yeah. I mean, for me, so I, um, so I'm the son of immigrants. My parents, they came from Egypt um, uh, like a couple years before I was born. And I was born in the U.S. on the East Coast, Boston, Massachusetts. And, um, you know, I remember like my parents came to this country with $200 in their pocket. We kind of lived like this immigrant hustle lifestyle of my parents were always working. We would always move around to different apartments. At one point, we would live in the projects. We were on like food stamps, all these different things. Um, we lived in the inner city. I uh, just, you know, had like a very, very interesting uh, beginning life. But, but like, despite that, it didn't seem totally crazy, even though I definitely saw some crazy things. But I think I had a, an okay childhood. But for me, the biggest thing that really impacted me when I was just a young man was, you know, when I was maybe about like seven, eight, nine years old, as my parents got better jobs, we moved out of the inner city into a small rural area and we moved into this small town with 5,000 people in it and you know there were a lot of nice people in that town of course and there were also a lot of not so nice people and the really interesting part about this town was that um, there was uh, there was no racial diversity in this community whatsoever everyone just kind of looked the same everybody was um, Caucasian which is fine but at this time also this was uh, this was like post 9-11 in America and you know, if you don't know, you know, if you were someone who was Middle Eastern, even if you were Muslim or you weren't Muslim, or if you had nothing to do with that, but you were just Arab or Middle Eastern, I mean, that's really where you saw a lot of racism 
that came with that. And so I remember just being a young person, being in this small town with not a lot of people. And then all of a sudden, just like, just like entering into a world that I just had never seen of just like so much racism, so much abuse. And I never really understood it because I just, I like back then I just didn't understand like, wait, how can you not like somebody just because of the color of their skin? Like that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Um, but regardless, that to me was like the beginning of, you know, this mentality that like my brain slipped in where it just became like, okay, Mark, everywhere you go, just like put your, like, don't look at anybody, just put your head to the ground. Uh, don't talk to anybody. Nobody likes you. Uh, and so that was most of my life for about like nine, 10 years. And um, obviously there was a lot of bad things that came from that. Um, and there were also like some not, not so bad things. Like, for example, one of the ways that I coped throughout this whole process was getting into video games and getting into the internet very early on, like in 2008. And I remember I had like a YouTube channel in like 2010. And then I remember I like started to learn how to code and I started making websites in like 2011. And then that grew on. And, um, and one of the biggest things for me looking back, and I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys have any questions, I can keep going. But um, one of the biggest things for me looking back was, you know, like I said, my parents and I, really didn't come from any kind of money. We lived mostly in poverty. But in like 2013, when I was like 15 years old, um, I kind of came up with like my first kind of successful entrepreneurial venture. And basically I had started a Minecraft server and it was just like this online community. And it actually became like one of the world's top Minecraft servers. And I started making like six figures, my, my material life on the outside began to change because all of a sudden I started making a decent amount of money at a young time. Um, and so like that slowly taught me that success is not money. Success is not, you know, whatever you don't have. And like, by the time I was about 18 years old in 2015, I really just stumbled down a, a dark, a dark and depressing time in my life. And there were a few reasons for it. One of them was, you know, when I was in college, I did not take care of my health. I began to experiment with uh, alcohol, drugs. But honestly, the big one for me was food. Like, I just remember eating so much food because I, I just hated my life. I didn't know who I was. And, um, you know, I can get more into it. But that led me to, you know, facing into a lot of these problems that ultimately led me to just like, eventually facing like this mirror of myself and being like, all right, Mark, listen, man, like if you don't change, then you're going to become a statistic, like you're going to kill yourself. And so eventually, like, obviously I didn't have like an overnight moment, but, um, but like, as I was 18, I slowly began to discover various things about myself, about my health, about my mind, about, you know, my spirituality, about various things that, you know, eventually have, have led me today to, um, like, you know, being a, being an entrepreneur, helping people, writing a book, creating, uh, programs, being on an Amazon prime documentary series, being a part of nonprofits, just doing so many different things that I genuinely never thought I'd be a part of because I decided to do something differently than what I was taught to do something differently than what I had seen all throughout my life 
and actually listen to to like who I was on the inside. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, so it's crazy. But I don't know I if that makes sense. I have a lot of questions for you, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> shoot, Jeremy, shoot. <laughs> I've heard, like, heard so many amazing things. I, so one question I have is what is, what is success to you now? And then uh, two is uh, what are some uh, main tips and such that you wanted to get um, uh, said to the people listening and that want to, oh, what is, what is uh, right. being shy about? Like, how, how can I not be shy anymore? And what do I get from that? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate the questions. Um, you know, in terms of me, how I define success is, so first off I would say is that it always changes. Uh, I think as I'm growing, I'm always going to, you know, change things around. But for me right now, it is the, the daily continuous um, pursuit and the process while being in the present moment and enjoying it and being grateful of who I'm trying to become and what I'm trying to do with my life. And so honestly, for me, that's the biggest thing because like I have been at a spot, I, again, it's not like I've, I'm like some multimillionaire, but I've been at a spot where I was like, man, I mean, I could just go do something completely different than what everyone else is doing my age and just go on a beach somewhere. And you really just begin to understand that it's not about that. It's not about the things that you can collect. It's not about the, the money. It's not about any of those things. What it's really about, at least for me, is that the actual, like, like, what are you doing right now? How do you feel right now? Like if someone's listening to this podcast, that to me is what it's all about and all those moments throughout the day and, and how can I do that, work on my dreams, but also like not to get too impatient or not get too anxious and stressed out and be like, oh, I have to do these things, but like, no, be able to enjoy and be grateful. Um, you know, in terms, of, in terms of like my book and, and just tips in general, um, so this book that I wrote, Screw Being Shy, this is all about, you know, what I kind of discovered in the world as an invisible problem. And what I mean is I have truly, you know, as for me, like as I have become a speaker and spoken in many places around the world, I would constantly get asked by people who I would maybe place in the category, broadly speaking of introvert, socially anxious, too shy, where they would ask me like, you know, hey, Mark, how did you have social anxiety for most of your life? And like literally not be able to look people in the eye or speak to then be able to stand on stage and speak in front of hundreds of people. And so I eventually just wrote this book for that kind of person. And, um, you know, the biggest thing that I have learned is that to me, I, when I look at things like social anxiety and shyness, the truth is, is I think you have to look at the root cause. And I think the truth about like podcasts, like, and I host a podcast myself too. I think the truth about podcasts is like, you know, I, I could say something that sounds like really sexy, that is like, sounds like, is like super motivational, but it's just, but it's just like kind of generic and then people feel fired up, but then after they don't do anything about it. But in terms of like what I think could move the needle the most for someone in terms of social anxiety is for me, when I actually discovered I had social anxiety, it was one of the best and worst things to happen to me. And for me, the biggest liberator, the biggest thing that enabled me, that triggered me to be like, wow, I have social anxiety and I need to maybe start to overcome that because I really want to talk to people 
and I know if I can't talk to people and be myself, then I'm just not going to be able to do my best and be my best self in all the scenarios that I walk into. And so for me, the biggest thing is when I began to research what social anxiety is, and I began to look at what the science is behind it, that is really where my social anxiety went from something where it was just like this shame, guilt thing that I had to hide, where I would constantly see myself in these social situations where I'm like, well, I, why didn't I say that? Or I shouldn't have said that. Where, you know, I felt like, there, like my brain was holding me back, um, you know, as I was trying to talk to people. And I would be like, man, I suck. Why am I like this? You know, I guess there's something wrong with me. I guess there's just, um, I guess I was just born like this. And so I remember that was the main way I thought about it. But the biggest switch for me that was just a big like liberator, it gave me some freedom, was realizing that like, no, this is like a, this is like a scientific phenomenon that happens between your brain, mind, and body that can cause someone to have social anxiety and not be themselves in social situations because your nervous system is no longer yours and it's been hijacked by your body's emergency response. And so it's not really your fault that this is happening. This is a result of many, many different issues throughout your life from uh, early on as a kid, different, um, you know, maybe uh, emotional traumas that may have happened to you, social humiliation, different biochemical factors, different factors with your physical and mental health. And so when I realized that, that was the thing that truly just blew the lid. And I was like, oh, okay. Instead of me looking at this of like, wow, I suck. Why can't I do this? I began to look at it as more of like a science project. And more I began to look at, oh, hey, I'm going to learn this thing. Oh, let me go try it out. Let me go experiment with it. Let me go try out this other thing. Let me experiment with that. Oh, it didn't work. Okay, let me try this other thing. That was the most liberating thing for me. And I think the other like biggest thing that I learned as a result of that, like at the root cause was... I learned that a big part of life, what creates life, what produces life is, is essentially your brain uh, doing a whole lot of things. It's not just your brain. There's many different pieces of your body and your mind that are involved with this. But essentially life is your brain firing off different neurons and neurotransmitters combined with a feedback loop between your body, your gut microbiome. Uh, the environment around you, different factors that helps your brain essentially create life as the way that you see it, as the way you experience it through your emotions, through your feelings, through your vision, through your, through your, your hearing and your sight. And so when I learned that, you begin to look at, and you know, I remember, for example, you know, before we, we hit record on this podcast, we were talking about uh, Louisa Nicola, the diamond boss. She's a neuroscientist. I've had her on my podcast. I've been on her podcast. We've talked all about this. And one of the biggest things that controls your neurotransmitters, how your brain works, is, is one neurotransmitter in particular, and it's called serotonin. And serotonin does so many different things from regulate your appetite. But one of the biggest things that it does is it regulates how your brain functions in social groups. And so when it comes to people that have social anxiety, that struggle with this kind of thing, serotonin can, can be a, a major, major potential um, issue. And 
you know, there's many different, there, you know, this, this runs the gambit. Uh, there are some people who their brain produces too much serotonin, doesn't produce enough. Some people's receptors are, are, don't work. But the biggest thing that I found was that, um, you know, throughout most of like the scientific community, I think it was maybe about like 15 years ago, most scientists agreed and they were like, okay, most of these neurotransmitters, because they're neurotransmitters, they've got to be in your brain. And it turns out, I mean, most of them are in your brain, but when it comes to serotonin specifically, the one I just mentioned, it turns out only 10% of that is in your brain. The rest, 90, 95% of serotonin is in your gut microbiome, which is this bacterial ecosystem between your intestines and stomachs that has 40 trillion uh, bacteria, which, you know, just for reference, just like so people can understand how complicated and vast that is. Um, there's 7 billion people on planet earth and imagine like how diverse everybody is, all these different countries, all these different cities. It's like having 5,000 earths and the amount of people, all of that is sitting in your gut microbiome. And so the last 10 years of, of, uh, science has really uncovered that most of our serotonin neurotransmitters are actually in our gut microbiome. And the keys to that are regulating how stressed out you are, and mostly your food, your dietary options, what you're drinking. That is like one of the biggest root causes that I, I think that we should be looking at when it comes to people that have social anxiety. And I'm not talking about people who are like just introverts or people who are maybe just shy every once in a while. But you know, if, you're, if your nervous system is being caught up in this loop, looking at that can be one of the most foundational shifting things that you can do at a root cause layer because like the thing for me on my journey is when I first found out I had social anxiety, I began to like go out there and I began to try to expose myself to, and I began to like try to walk up to random people. And honestly, I don't know what it was. And yeah, I like, I have a chapter about this in my book, but the, the super, yeah, the super interesting part about this that I learned though, is like when I first tried that, I don't know if I wasn't doing it right, but the first time I tried that, it didn't work for me. I literally saw myself get more stressed out and get more anxious because I just literally couldn't walk up to these people. And that's because like I had really, really severe social anxiety. And, you know, for me, looking at these neurotransmitters, looking at the signs, changing your diet, that was one of the biggest things that I did literally that then helped my mind work a little bit better and then do exposure therapy. So it's super interesting, but that that's one that I found that, um, it, you know, is definitely scientifically backed, um, but uh, it's super interesting to think about for sure. <laughs> You're on mute, Kyle. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, I liked how you talked about how you went and you tried to do exposure therapy and it didn't work and you had to do some kind of work on yourself first before being able to have success with that. Uh, it's kind of like yeah. your diet was kind of like a, a prerequisite to doing that. And uh, that's something that I've, you know, I've talked a, a little bit about before. Cause I mean, you know, my, my stories, I had a lot of success with exposure therapy, you know, but there it's, it's a lot. There are things you can do to make exposure therapy much, I don't want to say easier because it's not easy, but much easier. <laughs> and yeah, that's one of them. 
Um, what are, are there anything else or any little things that you did that also helped get you to that point where able, you're able to, you know, expose these anxieties you're having? Yeah, man. Yeah, man, for sure. And, um, and I, I love what you said. I think, um, I mean, honestly, I could talk about so much, but I think like for me, a big one was meditation, but I think a big one for me was, um, was learning how to not overthink. And like, I don't know about you guys, but like throughout my entire life, and like, I didn't even know this was happening at the time, but throughout my entire life, like whenever I was in a conversation with somebody and maybe like somebody else joined the conversation and then all of a sudden, like they're talking about like the game last night. And then in my mind, I would listen to that and I would be like, oh, the game, um, the game. Uh, oh yeah, I saw that last night. And I would just basically try to think of what to say before I would say it. And then next thing I know, I'm like overthinking that. And then the conversation changes or when it's my turn to say it, my mind would just go blank because I was trying to like memorize something that I had tried to say. And so like, this is a very common thing that like you'll, you'll, you'll listen, you'll hear with people that have social anxiety, like this constant overthinking and social interactions. And one of the biggest things for me was just like building in my brain, this habit of like literally just not thinking before I talk. And you know, that may seem overly simple and that may even sound bad. That's like, what do you mean? You should, we should think you shouldn't think before you speak. Like you always hear that, like, Hey, you should think before you speak. And I guess maybe if you're someone who is an extrovert, maybe you have a tendency to like say the wrong thing or get angry, then maybe don't take this advice. But the biggest, one of the biggest things that I did was just trusting myself and being like, Hey, Mark, without even trying to think of what I'm going to say, I'm just going to be in this conversation and actively listen to the other person and actively listen to them and try to understand what their other person is saying. And then I'm going to trust myself enough to then from the moment, like, you know, they're finished with what they're saying to then start talking and not think about it and just be in the present moment and just be myself. And again, this may sound overly simple, but this was one of the biggest things. And like, I have like a subsection about this in my book. I called it uh, like the subtle art of, uh, of not overthinking. And when you actually like look deeper down into that, it actually goes back to a trust issue that you have with yourself. And so a lot of the times, like I felt like I was in many different scenarios throughout my life where I let myself down in different interactions and in different social scenarios. And I've learned that every time you do that, there's a part of you that you kind of lose credibility with your word and what you're going to say. And if that happens, you build this pattern of not trusting yourself to the point where your ego, your brain has to go in there and try to think of what you're going to say before you say it as a way of like a defense mechanism. And then, you know, of course, keep in mind, this is totally different than like preparing to like give a talk or like do something uh, like that. But like, for example, I think a great example of this is podcasting. So like, in my opinion, I think the greatest podcasters out there are the ones who are able to get on the, the headset, the microphone, and be able to just have a conversation like with their guest. Because if they do that, then that means that, okay, they're not freaking out about, oh, oh what am I going to say next? What am I going to say next? What am I going to say next? Or they're like, oh, I, oh, what question am I going to ask him next? But I find like if, if you can be in the present moment, you can trust yourself. You don't build this, this habit of, or you, 
or usually you probably have this habit of overthinking, um, but trying to build in the habit of not doing that and just saying what you're going to say before you even thinking about it, being in the present moment, listening to the other person and actually understanding what they're going to say. Cause I feel like so many of us, especially if you have social anxiety, you're so like nervous that when someone else is talking, you're like kind of listening to them, but then you're also like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Like, what am I going to say after? Like, what are they going to say right after? What, what am I going to say right after? But like, I, that's not the way to look at it. And, and like that for me caused me so much trouble. But now when like I've built this habit and of course I don't get it right every time I still have issues with this, but now I feel like if anything, my responses are much more authentic and I am who I really am versus in trying to like memorize these like regurgitated points that my brain made out of fear. And then, and then I just forget about them and I have no idea what I was going to say. And I wasn't even there like for the conversation and I forget about it. So that's like one of the biggest things that I, that I've learned for sure. That's like something someone can think about and, and do over time. Yeah, and just, just piggyback off of that. And if, if you're so busy in your head, what am I going to say next? You're not even present. And, um, and I think that, I built that up too because I want like my stories. I want it to be liked by everybody, so I want to say the right thing, and then I don't want right. to scare anyone off. But in the process, I wasn't authentic because I was just saying packaged things, right? Yeah, and like it, it's so interesting. Like I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who, um, like in college, he was my roommate, and and he also has a, a bit of social anxiety. And, and like he told me that he was one time walking to class, and like he didn't have his headphones in, he was just walking. And he was just totally zoned out. So like he wasn't in a conversation with someone, he was walking, but he was like somewhere else. And all of a sudden he runs across somebody who he recognizes and he's like, Hey, what's up? And then my friend is like, he like says some random thing, like, um, like, uh, like how, how, how doing are you? <laughs> he like said something like that. And he's like, Oh, that's because like, I wasn't even there in the, in the present moment. And, when you're not in that, like you also see those people who are like easily startled or, or, or like, you know, they can't really live in the present moment. But, um, but yeah, it's super interesting for sure. Being in the present is definitely key for sure. Yeah. I just want to say one more thing before I forget. I think it's, it's really important to know is being in the present moment is not natural for my brain or anyone's brain, in my opinion, no. because my brain knows exactly what happened in the past and it can conjure up whatever it wants for a possible futures. And most, of course, don't actually occur. But it, ah, <laughs> out of nowhere, <laughs> my brain is, is, does not like the present because it's the unknown. It's freaking out. And I think that awareness piece is really huge. Dude, I think I'm so glad that you said that because, like, I've been on podcasts where, like, I've said all this. And then people are like, okay, well, how do I do that? Okay, well, how do I do that? Because the truth is, is that, in my opinion, like, it's very hard for you to do anything without learning the skill of how to be present. And I love what you said. Like, I don't think it's natural for any of us. Like, I think, I think that if you look at, you know, human society in general, I think the, the, the humans who are able to survive throughout the, the thousands and thousands of years of like war and bloodshed and all this stuff, were probably the ones that were the most anxious and probably the ones who could try to predict the future so that it could be the most risk averse and actually survive. But, um, but yeah, I, I think for me, the biggest thing that has actually helped me do that has been meditation. 
because I feel like, you know, you can, you can, you can like listen to podcasts and you can like read books all day, but, but like, that's not going to help you get in the present moment, especially because I think your mind is more of like a muscle. And I think if you can build like your attention muscle, you can direct that to anything. And like a a mentor of mine, Sharon Servatza, he says, uh, focus is more important than intelligence. And like when you understand that and like, for example, for me, meditation, meditation and exercise were, very, were two very big ones that helped me, especially meditation and that helped me live in the present moment. Like, I don't think I ever live my life in the present moment, unless you're talking about like some traumatic incident that flashed me back to what was happening now, or, um, or once I began to learn how to meditate. But when I look back at my journey, I'm so glad that I discovered meditation because I think all the things that I have been able to do have been a result of my brain learning how to direct its attention. Because like, I don't think I'm a smart guy. I don't think I'm a talented guy. I don't think that like I'm particularly special in any way. I just think that I had enough of a desire and I just learned how to focus. I learned how to use my brain, not just be stuck in like daydream land all day and actually direct it towards what I want is actually how you're able to take like the, the good future, the good dream, and then actually make it real and make it into reality. It's one of the biggest things. So I'm so glad that you said that. And I, again, meditation has been the biggest thing for me. That's, that's like actually been able to apply that, you know, it's gone from, Oh, I know I should be in the present moment but then actually doing it on a moment to moment basis. That's, those are two totally different things. And for me, meditation, I, I meditate every single day. Um, I think it's been massive. And um, like in my book, I actually, I actually mentioned a study that was done by, I believe it was Stanford university and it was specifically done with meditation and social anxiety. And it showed that meditating, if you have social anxiety, is one of the most powerful things that you can do that I believe they said that it was like equal to like, like medication, like treatment or like even other interventions as well, if not better. So that to me was super, super interesting. So yeah, definitely, definitely helps at least for me meditation again, the present moment. Uh, I love all this, this, this uh, little uh, conversation, because it makes me think of the very beginning of the podcast. I think Jeremy was a lot uh, better at it than I was, but I remember in the very beginning, I would always like try to like write up a bunch of like questions like that I want to, uh, you know, ask the person, I'd make sure I like research the person up and it came off as like not as authentic. And I, I got into that point where I wasn't actively listening to people and it was all about like, okay, what do I want to ask next? What do I want to ask next? And like, oh, I can't think of anything. Come on, come on. You know, it was just like totally going like that. And now I just kind of like give myself like 15 minutes. Just, just kind of like go over like who, who we're interviewing. And then I just kind of, we just kind of like let it roll from there. And it's just been so much better. It's so much more relaxing for me, honestly, because I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I'm not even like thinking of it as like a podcast. I'm just thinking of it as like, okay, I'm having a conversation with, you know, Mark Metry. So it'd be interesting there. Talk to him before. So this would be cool. Yeah. And honestly, like, I, I feel like, I feel like so many of the people who I know who have like, uh, like top 100 podcasts, I feel like they all do the same thing, <laughs> which is what you said. Um, and, and, you know, obviously like, 
you know, it's, it's different, different strokes for different folks. But, uh, but yeah, like I find that, like, I think do my podcast was just one of the greatest things that I've ever done because it, it like put me through this system. Like I had to find that out. I'm like, the truth is, is that, you know, it's not like these problems end. So, you know, they're always sort of uh, continuing, but you just learn better ways to figure them out uh, and, and learn from and manage. Yeah. And also I want to kind of piggyback is podcasting is just fantastic practice. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I did a video on it recently and posted it, but it was, uh, it, it was, uh, I used to do this thing where if I hear like a good tip, I, I would say, I already know that but it's like no it's it's life's a practice so I, like my new thing is like you know thanks for the reminder over and over again yeah that that's crazy like i think i think like i mean i don't i don't think anybody exactly knows the exact number but i believe like the average human has like 60,000 thoughts a day and like the truth is is like in that kind of like a existential situation like I don't know about you, but I feel like that's like one of the biggest things of like, you learn things, but then you forget them. And then it's not until this thing happens where it really then strengthens that. And then you see that same problem, but from a totally different perspective that you never thought. And you're like, oh, wow, I actually, I guess I didn't really know what this was. Or I guess there's like a whole, like there's that saying, it's like, there's a whole other level to where you're at. And so that's the truth with everything. And um, yeah, I think podcasting is great it's great practice. Like I, I became a speaker for the first time in my life in 2018. And I had like so many people come up to me, at, like even at the beginning and say, like, dude, you just crushed that. And one of the big things that I have learned is like, when you host a podcast, it definitely like teaches your brain how you sound and like from a good perspective. Cause I feel like when I had, when I had really severe social anxiety, my brain was always doing that, but like too much, but I think podcasting is great training ground for sure. And like, you know, like for example, that's why I, like, I don't know if you guys know, but I just started a podcasting company. It's called a, it's a podcast acceleration network called Growcasts because I want definitely more people to start podcasts. So I totally agree. So going back to public speaking, I'm interested, yeah, and I know a lot of people are, especially who have social anxiety, especially if they're like in school and stuff and they're you know yeah. forced to do some public speaking type of thing. Uh, what are some tips or maybe some practices you do beforehand to prepare for that or what can you tell us? Yeah, yeah, man. So the biggest things that I would say that I have learned are um so this is it right so this is the really unique thing so i remember the first time i went to give a talk i remember like i literally went to the bathroom like 17 times beforehand my stomach was literally about to explode and i was just so nervous and um I remember speaking like the first time it was like it was in front of like 50 people 60 people and I remember like when I was on stage, I don't know what it was, but like, I think it was just like, like everyone was really welcoming, people were really friendly. I think like two minutes, three minutes, like as we were just like beginning the event, as the announcer was like announcing things. And when they gave me the mic for the first time, it was like, a, it was like literally like a fire just like lit up inside of me, like a bomb just went off in a good way. And it was just like, all of a sudden, like I had access to all of this energy 
that I felt like I never had, like I've never had access to before. And looking back at that, all my other talks, I, all my other talks where I have been nervous, I did such a great job. And after you're, you're done and, and like people are, no matter like what the crowd says, but you know, you did a good job. But here's the thing though. I've done talks where I, I wasn't nervous. Yo, I bombed those. I bombed, I did terrible. I remember walking off stage like, oh my God, I was so bad. And so what I've learned is that like the, the nervousness is always going to be there but it's just a matter of learning how to harness it because it's the same exact energy that, you know, if you've never learned how to harness this energy throughout your entire life, and then you go up on stage that may destroy you. That may make you so nervous or you can learn different like ways to manage like your energy and who you are like, like with wall, like we've been talking about on this podcast, meditation, eating healthy, doing these kinds of exercises. Um, but, um, but, um, but really, uh, like having that balance between realizing that that nervousness is needed and, and, and you need that because that's what makes you a, a, a good speaker. Um, and so that's, that's the biggest thing. Um, and then the, the second thing that I would say is like, like learn how to give a talk. And what I mean is like, I, I, I don't think in school people learn this. I think we were just taught like, hey, just kind of like stand up there with like a PowerPoint and just like recite like what you wrote down on the board. And, uh, and the truth is, is, I'm sure that works for some people. But I think to me is like, don't try to memorize something. Don't try to like memorize this script or memorize these, um, these points because you're probably going to forget it. The biggest thing that I would say is you have to like use stories and essentially what I would do is, um, you know, I would look up this thing called the memory palace. And what I mean by that is this, this is a technique that like Greek philosophers have been using and, and all speakers around the world have been using for thousands of years. And it's essentially like you build a house in your mind of like an idea of like a, 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 a mission of like the conclusion of like your entire talk of like this public speaking. And essentially what you do is like throughout this house, the same way that like somebody, you know, walks in through the front door and then they walk through your kitchen and then they walk through the living room and then there's another door and then there's a staircase. You want to build a path like that but for your audience, if you're trying to publicly speak. And so you're trying to build this path that instead of like living rooms and kitchens out of stories, experiences, questions, uh, main points that you can get across. And so if you're able to sit down and like prepare really well, you can create this path that is filled with you sharing your stories, your experiences, your lessons, the questions that you want to flip back and reverse to the audience. And it's so intuitive for you. And it's not like you're memorizing, oh, what do I say here? No, like you have these rooms loosely built in your mind already so that even if you do get nervous or you forget what you can say, you can just go back to the, the path. You can go back to the root. But that's that on top of just learning how to use that nervous uh, energy are some of the biggest things that I would say that you can do for publicly speaking. This reminds me of, when I first would get really nervous in public situations and I like 
God, I can't stand this. Stop being nervous, Jeremy. I'd fight it. And then I, I just remember the first time I just, just for fun, I said, wow, this nervousness feels so good. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is amazing. This nervousness feels amazing. <laughs> wow. And that was the shift for me. That's awesome. You guys do uh, a lot of public speaking. Um, Kyle is more practiced. <laughs> so I, I did before the, the whole COVID thing. But it's something I want to start practicing. Um, I have been doing a lot of interviews just for my own stuff, like uh, Instagram Live I just did. And I've been on a lot of podcasts. And, nice. Um, I've, I've actually taken coaches and such, like on social coaching sessions. And I'll do public speaking because I'll be in front of people. Or I'll do like the free hugs all over the world thing. <laughs> of, or I, I also have, I, have a, I used to interview celebrities, so I guess it kind of counts. Um, but nice. for me, yeah, for me, it's just, it's just that, it's that practice. It's, it's that, it's a framing of it and it's, it's using, you know, that thing that you think is bad and trying to turn it into something positive. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm happy because a lot of people wouldn't be able to do that. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's also that's why these podcasts exist <laughs> <laughs> and why people like us exist. <laughs> Yeah, I always tell Kyle, like, if I didn't go through all the challenges and struggles, I would not have the same passion and, and mission in my life as I have now. I would never have met you. I would never have met Kyle. Like, I think the quality of people in my life because of my challenges in my life are so much higher than if I didn't go through what I went through. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, I feel like it's honestly, like, it's just, like, we're, we're all, like, we're all, like, creating, like, our own, like uh, like, super unique movie. And it's just, like, those experiences that we faced, good or bad, helped make us into who we are today. And I like to say that same thing right now. <laughs> like if I'm ever going through a problem, I'm like, man, this terrible experience is, is totally gonna help me. And it's, it's like looking at it from that perspective because um, ultimately like I, as, as much as it like maybe feel weird to say this, like, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy I went through all the experiences and all the struggles that I went through. Because, you know, I, I look at, um, and again, I don't mean to like generalize this, but, um, and I think everybody has their own problems. But like, for example, I look at some of my friends who I grew up with, who like, they even tell me them, themselves, like they feel like they didn't really have any problems, like to a large degree. And they don't really know who they are today. And of course, like you shouldn't compare yourself to anybody else. Everyone else is exactly like on their own unique journey, but like problems are what make life interesting. And like, I one time heard this quote that has like totally like reshifted my perspective on like happiness, but happiness is essentially uh, the, the creation of new problems. And, and like, and like what I'm, what I mean to say about that is like, if you really think about it, like, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a child sex slave I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of them that like wake up every morning and terrible things are going to happen to them. There is a kid in Africa who, or there's a kid in, in, in Yemen who's like, wow, my parents may get, get shot and killed today. We may not have enough food and water to drink. And the truth is, is like, those are their problems. But if you are in a position where you can create new problems, as in like, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to like start this exercise training regimen 
because of X, Y, and Z reason. And it's going to suck. But this is like a new problem that I can have that I know I can do that is going to make my life more meaningful. Or let me go start a business and really like struggle and, 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 you know, fall into these issues. And I think that's the biggest thing because what I've learned is life is life is equal to problems. Life is synonymous with the word problems. And so if you know that problems are going to keep happening, then you should go for, for like creating new problems, like, like real meaningful problems. And I don't know about you guys, but I can tell you guys like first from experience, when I feel like I have no problems in my life, my brain will literally just start making up new problems. And like that, that is the, the truth of the human experience. Like, like, for example, you see this with like, of course, I'm not trying to generally speak, but you look at rich people, you look at people who have crossed off a lot of these boxes of like general success. And all of a sudden, like they're thinking about things that nobody would think about. They're like complaining about things that, um, you know, maybe the average person may not think about. And it's, um, I think it's definitely evident of the fact that like human beings and our, our brains have lived in a time where we are always detecting problems and that's never going to go away no matter how much technology or no matter how much how safe we make this world be so and that's the biggest thing that i can do of like try to try to make new meaningful problems not for the sake of creating problems and obviously if you already have a lot in your life then maybe it's not the best time but being able to create your own challenges really then teaches your brain for when the actual challenges come in life, the ones that are going to come where you don't choose if they come or not, you are a little bit better equipped to deal with that. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> the positive framing of it. Well, that's some solid problems coming up. Some great opportunities. Yes. All I, all I got is problems, man. Problems, problems, <laughs> problems, problems. Make it rain <laughs> problems. But it just reminds me of, uh, we had a guest uh, recently and she talks about how she has OCD. And she's saying how, and she's amazing. She's saying how, um, because she's like freaking out about everything, whenever something actually happens, she's like, oh, this is my specialty. I am like so comfortable right now. And everyone's freaking out and she's just comfortable. So there's always like that positive. And like we For all sure. have problems. And we kind of like, the problems just get upgraded. <laughs> For sure. And, and you know, the thing that I have to say too is like, sometimes it sucks. You know, I think sometimes like, I think sometimes you shouldn't look at it from the positive side. You know, I think, a lot of people, especially like, like, especially like in this, uh, like very broad general industry community, um, you know, I think a lot of us, you know, have just been taught to always be positive. And I think you should always be able to have perspective, but I definitely think there's power in being able to, you know, process your emotions and it's okay. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel pissed off sometimes. And in fact, you know, one of the biggest things that I have learned and I'm still learning today on my journey is that like, if you don't process these emotions, even if like in your rational thinking, logical brain, you're like, oh, I'm totally fine. That doesn't even affect me. I mean, you'd be surprised to see how much that does affect you, especially, you know, I think as, as like guys, you know, I think guys are taught so much to just put up like this, you know, stoic mask of like, oh no, it's totally good, bro. And the truth is, is that like, you're a human being like you have you go through so many different emotions and like you have to feel sad and the truth is like if you don't feel sad sometimes if you don't feel you know everyone has their own thing but if you don't have a healthy way to deal with that it's gonna come back and and bite you so it's super important to stress that you know so i definitely think we should like i think like 80 90 
whatever, someone has their own percentage, 89% of the time we should be looking at it from like that positive perspective. But then you also need to be real with yourself and be like, all right, this like this sucks. I need to like go go through with this emotion because there are ramifications. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, I identified that so much. I remember some, I used to have it where I'm in something. I'm in a crappy mood and I want it to go away, and then all it does is try to get my attention even more, and it just acts up like a little toddler almost. And it's just like in that moment, that's where I have to, you know, scary, just kind of open up the space for that crappy mood or that terrible emotion because have you ever had an have you ever had an argument with someone and they're like it makes no sense but like it's not because of the actual thing but it's it's actually leaking from that thing they're not dealing with yeah one hundred thousand percent yeah that's that's so evident of it and um and yeah i mean i think honestly uh you know like let, you know life is hard and um you know we're gonna forget these different things sometimes but i think the most important thing honestly is like what i have learned is like and i do this with books too is that i mean i don't know if you guys do this but whenever i listen to a podcast or i read a book what i always do is by the time i'm done listening to the episode i'm always like okay what can i go do now and um i know that's like extremely far away (laughs) from what you just said of like trying to do something to like over to like not think about these emotions because sometimes you should do nothing um and open up that space like you said i love how you said that um but i think for me sometimes i always do that because uh, i think it's it's easy to to be passive um so I'm just going to like take over your podcast for a second. And, and, um, and uh, this is what I want your audience to think of. Save this for your so, podcast. The Social Ninjas on Mark Petrie's podcast. <laughs> no, nah, but this is great. I appreciate you guys for sure. Looks like I don't have to ask it. So yeah, I do want to ask you just one last question, and that is, if you had the ability to give a message to everybody in the world, and you can just kind of billboard it, what would it be? Oh man, I would say um, I would say don't lie to yourself, and the reason why I say that is because. I one time heard this quote and it completely changed my life. And it was, um, the truth, truth is the chiropractor of the mind. And it's essentially like the same way that like we all have a skeletal system, like our spine and our shoulders and it holds us up straight. That is what the truth does, but to life itself. And for me, one of the biggest things that I did because I had a low self-esteem, because I had low self-confidence, was I would just always be lying to myself all the time. And like what I mean is, you know, I I would lie to myself about like a particular opportunity or scenario or like, you know, there would be basketball team tryouts. And one part of my brain would be like, dude, Mark, you should totally sign up. You love playing basketball. It may be fun. And then another part of my brain would be like, "Mm, nah, bro, you kind of suck. Like, do you even like basketball? Um, Like, you're not even a basketball player. And so that part of my brain would try to lie to myself to essentially get me to change my behavior and maybe sign or not sign up for that basketball team. And so that's like one of the biggest things that I have learned is like the ability to just be real 
and figure out what you want. And I think so many people, they don't know that they don't know what they want. They don't really know what motivates them. They don't know kind of who they are. And that's because they've been lying to themselves for years. And I mean, it's so crazy because I mean, I went through most of my life probably lying for like two decades and like, you don't even know that you're lying. You don't even know because it's like one of the most natural things and the ability to like create that space, Jeremy, like you said, to like be able to like, you know, shut off your phone or put it on airplane mode and set a timer for like 30 minutes to like an hour and sit in a room with like no distractions except for you and a piece of paper and, and get in an introspective mood and just be like, yo, what am I literally lying to myself about? And, and like at first what will happen is like the first five minutes you do this, the rational, logical thinking part of your mind will just come up with like some, some like excuse or like some, some like BS lie of like some little thing that you did. But if you wait there, your mind is literally going to like start thinking of your passion. Like, Oh my God, when I was nine years old, I did this. And when I did that. And, and so if you do that, that's really, really going to be able to open up the space and it's going to be able to give you time to understand and then go back and forgive yourself for those times that you did that. And that's like the, one of the most powerful things. Um, and yeah, last but not least, I, I mean, I definitely tell people if they liked what they heard to, uh, to go check out my book, Screw Being Shy. I, 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 um, I put exercises, like I have a whole chapter on the truth of what I just said. People can definitely check that out uh, and learn more and start applying stuff. And uh, yeah, Jeremy, Kyle, I appreciate you guys. This is so fun. <laughs> Cool. Thanks so much for coming on. Until then, check out, give us a seven star out of five, and give us a review saying, best podcast in the world. In the universe. <laughs> no, I, could, I could talk about what you just, what you just said for, for hours. <laughs> Literally, man. Best for hours, and then go on about like everyone living their life because they think that's what they should do, or they're doing it for someone else. Because hey, this works for me, so of course it'll work for me. Like, everyone's different. Everything works for them. Everything works. For everyone, everyone lives other people's lives, and the people that really love you will like just throw uh, advice at you. I can go on and on. <laughs> life is a crazy matrix, but honestly, I'm so grateful to be able to like have these things that exist called podcasts to be able to have these conversations that are then going to get you know, distributed and beamed out to the universe for anybody else who wants to listen to them. So in this crazy world of all that, I'm still grateful these little bubbles exist. I need that. Real quick before, before we go, where can people find you at? Where can people buy the book? Um, I mean, yeah, you can get the book anywhere, but a good central place is if you just go to my website, which is my first and last name.com, M-A-R-K, metry.com you can check out the book and uh you're free to like contact me let me know you came from this podcast and uh, and yeah you guys are the best i hope everyone out there listening leaves you guys a review you guys are great podcast hosts and thank you guys so much thanks mark we'll see you guys next week awesome <laughs>